Shalom, brothers and sisters. Such an honor to be here with you. I'm excited because today we want to I want to talk to you about something that few people talk about, something that I think in the church, in the West, in the modern world, causing out demons is considered a taboo. It's been considered something that the crazy people do or the crazy pastors do uh, something that's also seen an increase of persecution around the world, even in recent years. But yet it seems like it was something that Jesus did all the time. Yeshua's ministry was full of this practice of casting out devils. Why was that? Why did he consider it such an important part of ministry? Today, I'm joined by my brother, my friend, uh, John Diffenderfer. He is from Mercy Collective, pastoring um, in Franklin, uh, Tennessee, by Nashville. And I'm just honored to have him on to join me in this discussion. We're just going to have a just an open discussion about casting out demons, our experiences, and just what the Bible says regarding this topic. And so if you're interested, you're curious, you've never done this before, maybe you've never seen it, maybe you have, you don't know what's real, you don't know what's fake, you, or you, you just don't know where to go with this topic, I think that this will really be edifying to you. Uh, so, uh, John, thank you so much for joining me, brother. It's an honor to have you on again. It's always great to be here. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. It's a like you said, it's a huge topic, and I think the more conversation and light that we can bring to it, the better. Amen. So I think uh, we can just start off with, you know, kind of what I said in the beginning there. Uh, you know, it's no secret. I think most of us understand that this is a, a subject that isn't something that you would, let's just say like this, when you go into the average Western church, uh, Generally speaking, of course, you won't simply see casting out demons as even a semi-normal part of a service or or anything like that. In some, there are, of course, churches where this does occur. But why do you think it's not as common as it seems to be in what we read in the New Testament, say? I think there's a variety of factors. I think awareness is probably the, the biggest one. You know, if we're not talking about something, if we're not sharing testimonies about something, if it's, you know, we read all through the pages, you can't read the Gospels or the Book of Acts or, you know, we really can't read any of the Bible without realizing that there's the spiritual interaction between evil spirits or satanic spirits and people. Um, you know, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, listening to the voice that they shouldn't have been listening to. And it goes throughout the whole Bible, but in our churches, we just don't talk about these things. We oftentimes think that like, these are just for insanely, uh, catastrophic moments or places where people are just utterly depraved. Um, I think what you see in scripture though, is, is much more subtle than that. And it's just this constant presence, um, uh, that people are experiencing, they interact with believers and unbelievers. Um, and I think that we've kind of sidelined a lot of those discussions over the years as just 
just because we thought it didn't apply to us. We thought we were immune. We thought that in some way or somehow um, that these things were artifacts of the past. And now we live in this, you know, Western church age or whatever you want to call it. And that somehow those things aren't apparent, but the fruit of them are, is all around us. I mean, there's so much of the same demonic symptoms that you see in scripture are still manifest in our lives today. Um, people who have been through deliverance obviously have very real testimonies. And it's one of those things where once you've actually experienced it, you can't deny the reality of it. And um, I think just the more that we can engage in these topics and actually try to bring ourselves into submission to what the, the pattern of scripture is, the more obvious and evident that these things become. You start to see the fingerprints of these demonic influences and uh, demonic oppression um, just all over the place. And uh, it, it's kind of a, I think one of the greatest tools of the enemy, of course, would be to get us to not address something that he's doing. Um, and unfortunately, we've played into that a lot in our churches in the past. Mm. I remember, you know, I grew up in a very conservative Dutch Reformed church in South Africa as, a, you know, my teenage years. And I remember a teaching that went around was that if you don't bother demons, they won't bother you. And it would um, be nice. You know, <laughs> it would be nice. Uh, so it's kind of ignorance is bliss. It's kind of like what I don't know won't matter, won't harm me. So let's just not talk yeah. about that, that kind of approach. Uh, and then I'll just in short say, you know, I remember I visited a, a church once where we had the opportunity to preach the gospel and baptize. And the, the pastor invited me saying that, look, I have a lot of Christians in my church. They're devoted. They love God. They, you know, all that. But they come from paths of witchcraft and you know that's common in south africa in some circles mm -hmm. and i'm like okay and so a lot of them have never been baptized really but they believed and so we baptized them and suddenly they started manifesting these demons and we started casting mm -hmm. demons out and i was like well well christians aren't allowed to have demons how would, why do these people <laughs> have demons like why are they being and i'm not let me let me just say this that i'm not saying that they were possessed in in the sense that we would think of but they had yeah. oppressions in their lives they had bondages in, the, in their lives and and those things were cast out of them uh, so you know i think that there is it's it's also something that's not always uh let me say clean and pretty looking uh in the in the ways that humans may want uh, you know when there's a church service or a baptism we want it to all look very pretty and and uh, swept clean and so on um, but yeshua's ministry in this sense if we if we want to talk about it this way it wasn't just all pretty there was there was demons being cast out it says in the scriptures that the demons came out with loud screams out of people like you know that's a that's mm -hmm. a, a strange sight and i think a lot of people are afraid of of that i mean what do you what do you think i mean you're yeah. a pastor what do you, what is your yeah. perspective well i think that that's a huge point that needs to be made is that it's not predictable 
And in our culture, you know, especially here in the Western church, like we want everything structured and programmed and, you know, our church services or even prayer meetings are scheduled down to the minute. And deliverance is not a program. It is not a thing that you can schedule. Like at this church service, we're going to have 10 minutes of deliverance and then move on to the next thing. Uh, It is a lifelong experience of walking from slavery slavery to demonic oppression, slavery to satanic influence, and ultimately moving into absolute freedom. And where everybody is on that journey any given day is known only by them and God, and at times not even them. And so it's hard to deal with in most programs. And there are people that do deliverance programs, and I'm not trying to disparage that. But oftentimes, even in those programs, and the people who really do it understand this very clearly, that even if you have a moment where you might introduce people to the concept of deliverance or even attempt to cast out demons or work through some of these other issues, that is usually just the start of a a longer journey in their lives. Because oftentimes what you find is that these people aren't just afflicted or affected by one thing. And so there may be a, a thing in their life where there's a stronghold or there's a power or there's a demonic presence or influence that is, affecting them in a very real way and they may find freedom from that one thing but that doesn't mean that you are then removed from that entire threat for the rest of your life Mm. Um, just as you know we have to invite the spirit of god into our lives every single day we also need to be aware of the fact that there is a another spiritual power that is also seeking every day to gain influence in our lives And I think part of the thing you mentioned on earlier is the language that oftentimes is used in this can be a little problematic and it it confuses some people. But so I don't prefer to use the term uh, like demon possessed, because ultimately, if you're a believer, you are possessed by God, like he Mm -hmm. has ownership over you. And when it's all said and done, you're going to be his. Mm -hmm. But there are countless examples in scripture of people who were God's people still having interactions. Peter, Satan, like literally Satan spoke through Peter to Yeshua. Yeshua himself being the perfect example of how we should live life, had a verbal interaction with Satan himself during his 40 days in the wilderness. And so there's this pattern that we see throughout scripture of the enemy's ability to suggest things to us. And then we have a choice in how we're going to react to that. One of the powers that God has given us is that we have the authority and the ability to tell those demonic spirits and influences to leave, to be silent, to be bound, to be cast away. But if we're not doing that, if we're just constantly living with the voices, we think they're voices in our heads, but oftentimes they're voices from Satan or from demons that are controlling and influencing us. If we allow that to continue unabated, then we're losing a lot of the power that we have. And we constantly find ourselves coming back to the same struggles that we've been dealing with in some cases for years. Mm. And there's also there's that. And and I think a lot of people struggle. And this is something at least that I see a lot is that people have had pasts that were inviting to the demonic because Mm -hmm. maybe they dabbled in witchcraft. Maybe they made uh, and in some sense, you know, we can go through a list of things, but when you are not part of God's kingdom, when you haven't sworn allegiance to him, you've sworn allegiance to another spirit. Like there's not, there's no like neutral ground, right? So that opens up the door to 
anything to come in easily. Uh, and when people then become believers, they can really still need deliverance. You can be a believer for a long time and still having never dealt with uh, a certain um, demonic influence that came in in your past. And, and I will say, I mean, a lot of people do get natural freedom, if I can call it that, by becoming a believer, by by striving after holiness. Demons don't like a holy temple, and many of them right. uh, will naturally leave. But there are many cases where they don't all leave. And, and so in those cases, it's certainly important for those people to seek deliverance. And I think that a lot of it's something you touched on is a lot of the perspective has been a, an imbalance of approach because like you said it's when someone is suffering from a cert, well, from whatever there's something going on in their life sometimes there's counseling that's needed maybe they had a traumatic traumatic experience and they really need a renewal of their mind they need to learn the scriptures they need to see what god's heart is about this and, and so on and that'll help them and some people can get real freedom simply from that. But there are other people who who you can't counsel away a demon if they have demonic right. oppression. Um, I, I spoke to a man not long ago who he's been going to counseling for years now. He had a traumatic childhood and so on. And ultimately, it was God's grace. Uh, I, I, I spoke of him and I asked him, well, don't you think that these things happening in your life is a symptom? Of, of a demonic oppression in your life, that a demon is doing this through you. And he said, you know, I, I don't know. And I just started praying for him and he manifested a demon. And it resolved into two days of deliverance and he got freedom from things that he, the therapists helped. I mean, they helped with other issues, but they could never mm -hmm. get this resolved. And the deliverance, and this was a believer, by the way, church, going to church every week, and, and that's common. Uh, so I think that when we have this perspective of, uh, you know, some deliverance ministries say uh, everything is a demon, basically. Every sickness is a demon. Every right. oppression is, everything that goes wrong in your life is a demon. And then we have a reaction to that bad doctrine because it is not true. And we say, well, no, nothing is a demon. Everything is can just be counseled or... But I think that what God wants us to do is is take understand that many things take a multifaceted approach, and there isn't one fits all solution for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think that the nature of Scripture we see throughout is that there's at least three areas of our lives that we operate in. We are we have a body, we have a mind, and we have a spirit. So there's a physical world, there's an intellectual or the the world of the mind that exists. And then there's also the reality of who you are is that you're also a spiritual being having a spiritual experience. And if we reduce everything as we, you know, especially in the 1900s, you know, with modernism and the scientific community advancing and stuff, uh, there was such a strong emphasis, I think, placed on just uh, the mind and psychology and other things. And that's, of course, wonderful and good. If what you're experiencing is sincerely a mental problem, then bringing that to healing and to faith is, is wonderful. Um, and it's exactly what you need to do. If it's a biological problem, you know, if you're malnourished or something else, you may be having symptoms that you may think are intellectual or demonic, but that's actually just a physical aspect of the universe. Uh, but for that matter, we have to be operating in all three, at least of those areas and realizing, especially with those persistent 
issues that we face. And I think that's really probably the, the place where I start with people when they're asking about these things is if this is something that you can find no logical, you know, explanation for, if this is some sort of experience you're having, whether it's a physical symptom, an emotional symptom or a spiritual barrier or something, if you're having this experience and it's recurring and you've checked your environment, you've checked the physical world, your body to see if maybe that's the case for it. It's not there. You check your mind, you try to rationalize your way through it and you're not finding answers there. Then perhaps by process of elimination, maybe it is a spiritual problem. And like you said, there, you can't, there's not enough therapy to cast out a demon. You can't take a pill to cast out a demon. You can't drink water and cast out a demon. Um, spiritual problems, they, absolutely need spiritual solutions you can't and use a handkerchief to deny that it. yeah that's true uh but when you're denying this entire aspect or this entire realm of reality that there's a spiritual reality here you're missing the fullness of god's creation you're missing the reality of his spirit let alone the spirit of the enemy um and it's something that I think we do a huge disservice to other believers when we don't even present this as a possibility. Um, and it's, of course, like you said, it's not to say that everything bad that you experience is coming directly from Satan or from a demon or whatever. But there is a lot of it that absolutely is. And especially for those areas, I think for anybody watching this, if there is an area in your life where you've experienced or are experienced just incredible resistance, whether it's a sin that you cannot figure out how to kick, um, if it's a addiction, a habit, something that no matter how hard you seek the Father, no matter how much you try to learn your way through it, you're just constantly facing this resistance. That's a good indicator that perhaps there's more to it than just your body and your mind. Um, there could be a spiritual aspect that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I think it's you can also just describe it as, as strange things happening in your life. Um, mm -hmm. I think self harm, cutting yourself or things of that nature, suicide yeah. can be can be demonic. Uh, we see a Mark 922 uh, describing a, a case of demonic uh, activity. And it says, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So we see that this demon wanted to kill uh, this boy. Mm -hmm. uh, another yeah, thing and it's always the hallmark of it, right? Like the hallmark of Satan is mm -hmm. always that he's seeking to destroy, uh, steal, kill and destroy. That's all. That's his only agenda. And so if there are these places in your life, like suicide is probably like the ultimate example of that, of someone being literally self-destructive. Um, but in addition, there's so many other areas in our lives where we have chronically self-destructive experiences. And the fact that we find ourselves gravitating toward that, especially when it's something that intellectually we don't want, but we still find ourselves like, going back to that same source or giving into those inclinations. That's a place that I would suggest to you. And I think everyone you're, that's listening to this or anybody you talk to, when there's always that thing, that sin, that, that one thing that you haven't been able to kick, that, that one habit or whatever. And the spirit of God is 
made you aware of what it is. Like, I don't need to diagnose you. You can trust the spirit of God to do that. But whatever that one thing is, if you've not been able to gain mastery over it on your own, maybe there's a demonic aspect to it. And the fact that, you know, there's people that are going to be watching this and watching it right now, I think this is probably a divine appointment for you to analyze and do an inventory of your life to figure out if that thing is, is something that would benefit from your deliverance of, um, you know, the spirit of God puts the desires in your heart. And if you want this thing gone, maybe tonight's your moment for that. Amen. You know, I would add just a few more things people can think about, look out for. Um, I have just from people I know who have needed deliverance and, you know, they have said things like, you know, when I try to pray, I have involuntary movements or, uh, you know, something is trying to stop them from from doing spiritual things. Um, hearing negative voices or voices audibly or, or just voices in general uh, when or when someone takes on a different identity at times, it seems like they turn into a completely different person, extreme things like extreme anger, extreme uh, outbursts of into an identity that's so different from who they normally are. And of course, I guess the classic thing that most people, I guess, would think of is also is, is strange things in houses happening. Uh, we, we talk about haunted houses, but there there can be demonic activity in in homes and things if they've been allowed in at some point in the past. Yeah, so it's like John said, it's if if you're suffering from something and and you're and you've ruled out, you know, and you're like, well, I don't know what it is. Well, it may just be that you're struggling with something that is demonic in nature. I think I just want to read for us all something about deliverance ministry here uh, in Luke 10 verse 17. Let me just open it up for us here. And this is when just to get you guys some context, this is when the 72 elders or 72, let me just say, were sent out by Yeshua. They came back and they've been casting on demons for the first time, basically. Right. And they're saying. It says the 72 return of joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan is defeated. He is falling. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And, you know, John, I always found that kind of classical in that. Well, there's a few things. I mean, first off, you know, he's he's telling them you have I'm giving you I'm giving you authority, all power of the enemy. Nothing will hurt you. Right. So don't be afraid of this. Mm -hmm. And then which is basically the opposite of what the world's saying is be afraid. Look at what Hollywood is telling us about right. the demonic and all that stuff, horror movies. But then what he what's amazing to me is that their first reaction after casting out demons is, well, look at what we can do, <laughs> you know, like, like they're rejoicing in that. And because it's, you know, John, I'm sure, you know, the first time that you've 
you've had that happen you know you you cast out a demon and it's like wow like this is it's a surreal moment yeah. right absolutely it changed my life in a way because it's like wow that spiritual realm is more real than i ever could have imagined when you when you get face to face yeah. with it but the danger is i think that you, we rejoice in that and we 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 take because i think that and what i mean is that we can rejoice in a sense that God has given us authority, but he's warning them, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, speaking about focus on the fact that salvation is even more precious and big than this. And, and I think it kind of connects us back to bring this. I think Yeshua is bringing this back down to earth. He's saying, like, you guys know salvation. You rejoice in salvation. You but this is as normal. This is supposed to be normal. This is supposed to be just another thing. And salvation is even more precious than that itself. And so I think that he's just making this normal. He's saying like, this is supposed to be part of your lives. Don't think of it as, as, as something as big when I'm actually making this normal. I don't know. Do you, do you see that? Because like, I think a lot of believers think of this as this big thing for very mature people right. and out of reach. You know? Yeah, I, th I think that's that's a key part of it. Or oftentimes we think that we have to go to a certain exorcist or somebody in order to have some sort of authority or power here. And there's certainly power in counsel. There's power in other ministries and the laying on of hands. I mean, there's always opportunity, of course, to learn and to benefit from the spirit of God that lives in other believers. But the authority, as you just read, is already granted to believers. Like, and I, I believe, you know, every believer has the ability to cast out demons. You may not know what those demons are. You may not even be acknowledging them within yourself. And so there is benefit to learning more and studying and going to other counselors and help having people walk with you through that journey. But the, the hope and the salvation doesn't come from a man. It comes from God. And so for that matter, this, this power that we have needs to be exercised. But when it's exercised, we need to be very, very cautious that we don't allow the eternal enemy of pride to set in. Because that's, I mean, we've all seen deliverance ministries and other things that talk about these things. But oftentimes there's a lot of pride that can creep in. As with any spiritual gift or any, any empowerment of the Spirit of God, there's always that religious pride that can come in. And that's something that even if you deal with one problem, if you slide right into another one, you haven't really done any good. So, yeah, I actually think that that's one of the agendas of the enemy is that if someone is now entering a ministry where they are doing deliverance, well, what is what are we going to do about that? The enemy would think to himself and be like, well, let's try and make him puffed up about what he has, because that ruins yeah. the witness. It causes bad fruit to come in. And then the other believers who aren't doing deliverance see this person doing deliverance, but having bad fruit. And they're like, I don't want to do what he's doing because yeah. he just seems like a terrible person. You know, yeah. so that's something that I think we should really hope to restore the breach in that if we're going to be restoring deliverance and the casting out of demons back to God's people as their inheritance, it's the children's bread, then we might need to make sure that they are briefed on 
Well, don't let this get to your head because that's, I love that you brought that up because I think that's part of what Yeshua was saying is don't rejoice in this. Don't let this become like the thing. This is just another thing I'm giving you. Go ahead with it. Yeah. Yeah. We should never glory in our own abilities. I mean, that's the stated over and over again throughout scripture and really the you know, the temptation of the serpent, speaking of a demonic influence, the the original temptation of the serpent was that if you eat this fruit in the, in the garden, that somehow you can become more than who God made you to be. You can be more than your immediate circumstances. And that was the original, the root sin, I guess, if you want to categorize it was pride. And it's something that exists in every context. But one thing you see throughout the scriptures and all the apostles address this in their letters, but, um, Anytime they talk about the Spirit of God and anytime we see it lived out in the pages of Scripture, it is always punctuated by a command of love, humility, and unity. And if we are engaged in spiritual gifts or in spiritual things, but doing it without love, doing it without humility, and doing it without unity, we've, done it. we've, we've had a miscarriage of the Spirit. Um, and it doesn't mean that good can't come from it. God's always used broken things for his purposes. So that I don't want to also be the type of person who points a finger at anybody who's done it slightly incorrectly or with a degree of pride or whatever and condemn that because then you're you're in pretty dangerous territory on the unforgivable sin if you start attributing legitimate uh, powers of God to other sources. Mm. But so it, it, I don't say all this to, to like, give new grounds for accusation for anyone, but it's something that within everyone's individual heart, you have to maintain your own humility and focus and, and not allow whatever it is that God has given you in your life. Um, let alone these abilities, the authority that we have spiritually to somehow let us exalt ourselves. And instead all of it should be solely for the exaltation of Yeshua. Hmm. Absolutely. That's such a good word. You know, we have to have this love permeating through us, always evident. I mean, man, like if we start casting out demons, but we lose love, then we just lose the point of everything like Yeshua has continuously taught us. Um, I think it would be good for us to also talk about just, you know, there's a few myths, I think, about dem demons and and how demons mm -hmm. can you know, for example, uh, I've heard people say people are very scared about laying hands when we, you know, when we've gone to churches or conferences, we've told people to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You know, even though that's said in scripture, many people have this idea. Well, what if that person has a demon? Like, what if they lay yeah. hands on me and I get their demons? Or what if, you know, there's this idea that a simple act of laying hands like that can cause demons to transfer. What do yeah, you think? That you about can that? catch a demon or something. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a great point. I'm sure you, I mean, deal with it all the time. Uh, your reach is bigger than mine as far as the, the number of communities that you touch. But uh, there is a, there's so much, so much of what we think about demonology. I don't even like that word because of where it came from, but uh <laughs> But this whole idea, we, we inherited all of these traditions from like movies like The Exorcist or, yeah. you know, folklore or even outright occultic things that we created all of this stuff that is just simply not scriptural, even in the realm of people trying to do biblical deliverance. 
when there are these things like people have this idea like oh well, i went into a house one time and i saw that there was a pentagram on the wall therefore and that happened when i was a teenager therefore i think i might be demon possessed today and like you don't catch a demon from proximity like scripture is really clear um right. actually in first corinthians 10 it says explicitly in, in that example that he's speaking to which is about food but it's there's a larger principle there uh that we have fellowship with demons when we engage in sin um, mm. and then i think that engagement can either be consensual or non-consensual but it, it actually takes a deliberate act of sin uh for a demonic presence or entity or power to really kind of have influence in your life and for that matter we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we're all capable of those same vulnerabilities but you're not going to catch a demon just because you accidentally read the book of mormon or <laughs> you're not going to catch a demon just because you laid hands on someone who was demon possessed you're not going to catch a demon because you went into a church or a, a, even a another religion's temple or something that had demonic presence the apostles were doing all of those things all the time they were constantly interacting not just with the you know kosher religious world of their time they also interacted with a very pagan culture and none of them caught demons from it <laughs> uh and so we shouldn't be the type of people that are running around in fear of what these demons are capable of or how we're going to catch them or whatever instead what we should be doing is exercising the authority that we have and understanding that it's a power that we have that at any moment if we recognize demonic presence or influence in our lives or in someone else's we have authority over that and so trying to i think one of the great frustrations that i have a lot of times in this space of ministry is that there are a lot of people too on the other side of the equation who want have a prideful desire to be like holy spirit witch doctors um and we try to take the power of god and reduce it down to a formula or something uh that we can then manipulate and anytime we try to do that that is literally witchcraft it's taking supernatural power and putting it in a formulaic approach that we can then manipulate can you give an and, example of what you mean by that yeah i mean i grew up in a, a variety of circumstances i was blessed to have a lot of really great experiences but there were times even when I was young and I, I recognized this was weird and I didn't know uh, where it came from. But one of my earliest memories on this front, uh, there was one guy in our religious community, a believer, but he, uh, I think he fancied himself as a bit of a uh, Holy Spirit witch doctor or whatever, uh, Holy Spirit wizard. I don't know what term would be appropriate. Probably all of them are inappropriate. Uh, and so he, anytime there was somebody facing some sort of demonic experience, as he diagnosed it, he thought he was the sole diagnoser of this community, uh, he would orchestrate these elaborate deliverance rituals. And some of them sound really sincere, and it's not that God sometimes can't use other things for healing, like he did for Naaman, having to baptize in the muddy Jordan. Uh, but to try to reduce this, like in this example, this guy, one of my earlier childhood memories, uh, this person was having a difficult time and seemed to be demon possessed or troubled in some way. This guy decided it was demonic. And then he started creating this elaborate ritual of like, if we cover this person with enough prayer shawls, and then he wanted everyone to walk around the building seven times, and then we were all gonna blow shofars. And it was like this ritual. I don't know what else to call it, right. as though somehow if we could just get the pieces in the right position, 
and get enough people to pray for enough hours consecutively and, and this sort of thing, that then somehow we would game the system well enough to for this person to be delivered, mm-hmm. as opposed to actually just going forward with the calm, confident authority of the Spirit of God and actually just telling the demon to leave. Right. Um, and there's I a lot of stuff where, like that. I can see where like yeah, it ahead. comes from. Like, I guess, you know, Yeshua sure. takes mud, puts it on the guy's face who's blind and he gets healed. You know, he does some things like that, or like the example you use of Naaman, but these were prophetic acts to teach something. And when we yeah. make this the way <laughs> of how we like, like, like the examples you used are good. Uh, you know, yeah, it's supposed to be simple. It's supposed, we see that, you know, uh, when many healings occurred, mostly it's usually, hey, rise up and walk. Or uh, when demons yeah. were cast out, it's, you know, Yeshua says, you know, uh, what is your name? And then he cast them out. There wasn't an elaborate ritual involved. And it's like you said, of course, the danger is that when you talk about elaborate rituals, it does get close to what's done in typical circles of witchcraft. But uh, yeah. uh, so there's an example. Uh, no, there's another example that comes to mind uh, from the summer. I was talking with a young woman uh, who had had uh, I was I'd done a sermon on this topic briefly, and she came up and had questions and uh, was troubled. You could tell just from her countenance, her body language, eye contact, like there was something there. Uh, and when I was talking to her, I was like, you know, we can, if, if you're facing this, I'd be more than happy. We can, you know, we'll pray, I'll pray with you and we can cast the demon out. Like, absolutely. I would love to do that with you. Uh, and she got very anxious in the moment. Uh, and she was kind of terrified. She started trembling and, and I was like, okay, so is this, you know, I'm trying to determine, is this a demonic manifestation or is this uh, just her own fear and insecurity? And what she started describing is she, she came up to me and she, she got, uh, started whispering. She's like, okay, well, I want that. But I, you know, every time I've done deliverance ministry in the past, it ended up being multiple hours of people yelling at her while she's cowering on the floor. And she ended up vomiting and like just this, it was a, an emotionally traumatic experience and whatever had been done to her before, probably by people with good intentions. I mean, I don't know them, but, sure. um, they had taken this power of God that is supposed to be for healing and, and deliverance and freedom and had traumatized her from it to the point where she was apprehensive to come ask for prayer about the situation again. And so I was like, you know, in her case, I was like, no, like that it's, I don't like, there's no cookie cutter formula for what's going to happen to you. I can't promise you that there won't be a manifestation. I can't promise you how long this will take or whatever, mm-hmm. but but what I can assure you is like, we're not going to try to conjure up manifestations of demons and we have the authority to tell these demons to leave. And so, right. And, and so I prayed with her, we cast, uh, cast out the demons within a, the whole thing was maybe five or 10 minutes, invited the Holy spirit in, uh, she felt immediately calm. Uh, she did later on have to go, uh, throw up, uh, but it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't projectile. It wasn't anything, uh, bizarre or anything that would be filmed, but, but it was, it was an incredibly healing thing. And then when I saw her immediately after, and for the next few days, she, she was a completely changed person. Um, and so I, th- I think a lot of times we have to be careful with these approaches just to respect what actually is there 
and not let pride get in the way because when pride or whatever that person had experienced before, maybe just confusion, um, it had done a lot of harm uh, by the people's attempt or, or by the experience of having made it so sensational. Um, and so there are sometimes there's manifestations and sometimes things take time and sometimes fasting for a longer period of time is necessary. Like, but to try to turn it into a demon circus right. so that it's exciting or entertaining or so that you feel like you accomplished something is not the point. That's I believe that if you, I believe that if you speak to a demon, I mean, like you were just saying that we have the authority, Yeshua said that we can speak to these things and tell them where to go. And so I sincerely believe a, a deliverance 90% of the time when I've experienced it or practiced it with other people, it's just a simple statement telling the demon verbally to leave. And then it leaves and right. nothing happens. Because, I mean, really, and that should kind of be the goal, like the absence of something should result in nothing other than just an overwhelming sense of peace and the power of the spirit. But all these negative side effects that oftentimes people immediately associate are not inherent parts of deliverance. They can be, but to just make that the expectation or even the goal of our deliverance ministry is kind of missing the point. That's a good point, man. I think that, you know, what you're saying in terms of the sensational aspect of it is a true error that has occurred. And I just want for anyone who's listening, who's, who's new to this subject, I also, on the other hand, want to just clarify as well that, you know, people can vomit, you know, like you said, in that case, yeah. she in the end did vomit. People can have situations where, where the demons are speaking through them. They can have situations where they're, they're on the floor, they're, they they're not having a good time basically those things can mm -hmm. happen but it's like john said like we don't that's not what we're aiming for <laughs> we're not like that's not what we want nah. that's not but sometimes it's part of the process and sometimes as we see in scripture it occurred so sometimes it seems that it's an, an inevitable part of the process depending on what we're dealing with uh so yeah I, th that's a, that's the line we need to walk is don't make it unnecessarily sensational. But then on the other hand, if something seems to be grabbing the attention of the room, well, sometimes it will as well. It definitely did in the time of Yeshua in some circumstances. Yeah. But there's other times like John, same as me, same, you know, I've prayed for people who've had a demon leave quietly and there wasn't much fuss at all. So why that is, you know, we can theorize, uh, till the sun goes down tomorrow. Uh, but yet, you know, there's going to be different situations and we need to be willing to address whatever, whatever that's going to look like. I just want to answer, uh, just, you did a really good job. I just want to add one thing to, to what we spoke about a little earlier with, um, the laying hands and, and the proximity, you know, can I get a demon by proximity? Uh, I just want to read 1 Timothy uh, 5.17, because a lot of people use the scripture. They think that Paul is saying, uh, watch out by laying hands who you lay your hands on. And, and so I just want to pull this up here in 1 Timothy 4, excuse me, 1 Timothy 5. 
All right, 1 Timothy 5, 17. I just want to read a few verses to get context. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when he treads out the grain. The laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Okay, so contextually we see this is about elders and how to treat elders and pay, make sure they get their wages don't just believe anything you hear about them, okay? But now we get to the verse that really is the key verse here, verse 22. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Well, see, some say, well, look, don't be hasty in, in who you lay your hands on because you're now taking part in their sins. If they have sins, their sins get transferred to you. You get their oppressions, okay? context is important right he's he's not talking about that he's talking about something he's been talking about elders leaderships and so forth and especially when you read the previous chapter uh 1 thessalonians 4 14 we read do not he speaks to timothy says don't neglect the gift you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you all right, so we see that there is a raising of leaders and distribution of gifts that can occur when elders lay hands on someone. So you don't want to raise an elder or raise someone into leadership who has sins. You want to, because then you would be partaking in their sins. That's what he's saying. I'm just, I just want to get that out of the way because as you guys could see, this, this verse really is not about deliverance and casting out demons. It's about a process of leadership and dealing with leaderships uh, so, so yeah i don't know if, if that's something that's ever come up with you uh john but i just thought i'd mention it no it's a good point i mean it's part of that mythology that exists out there that somehow you can if you touch the wrong person or whatever that you're gonna contract something but even for that matter like demons aren't cast out by touching people i mean i guess they could mm -hmm. be but the, the primary instruction we see in scripture is that you were to speak and to cast out the demons and so if if that was what he was talking about here, he would he wouldn't be saying the laying on of hands. He would be talking about speaking to demons because that's the primary vehicle that deliverance occurs in. Absolutely. So, good point. And I guess the last thing I'll say on that on this just the proximity thing is that a lot of uh, you can also think about what Yeshua said when he described the the process of a deliverance, right? He talks about how a demon is cast out, Matthew chapter 12, how a demon is cast out, uh, goes into dry places, seeking a place, and then when it finds no place, it goes, returns to the original person. And if, he if it finds it empty, swept clean and trimmed, then it brings seven more uh, spirits back with it. And so I'm, I'm bringing this up because when you think about what he's trying to say there is he's saying that someone is going to live in the temple of a man. And when, and, and the way I'd like to think about it is when you're renting a house, right? And you, you have a lease, you have a contract that you can stay there. And when you leave to go to some, you move away, the, the owner of the house comes and they clean it up. They sweep it and they put it in order. They fix whatever was broken for the next renters to come in for the next lease signer to come in and that's the same way in that a demon leaves the house 
That house is now empty, swept clean, put in order, trimmed, to get ready for new renters. The question is, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the spirit of God or is it going to be a demon? Because if the spirit of God is not there, then a demon can come back in. And that's why it's important for us to pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit, like you just mentioned, and uh, make sure they make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, yeah, that's the whole point of it. Like, and so theoretically, I guess we do have the power to probably cast out any demon under any circumstance, but we also need to use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know when to and for whom. And if someone is not receptive to the Holy Spirit, then I I mean, we could cast demons out of them all day long, but we haven't really done them any favors if they're going to immediately return to the sin that put them in fellowship with demons and just immediately engage back in that. And so true lasting deliverance requires salvation. It requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. It requires every single believer who's already saved to, again, ask for those parts of their lives to be invaded by the Holy Spirit, because that's the only inoculation, the only defense against any of that stuff coming back. And so a lot of the times in these experiences people have, and and they're very real, Mm. like an addiction or something for a long time. And and you tell them, you're like, you know, when next time a demonic presence or something in puts that thought or whispers in your ear and says, you know, pornography is always a big issue in this age. Next time you feel that initial inkling, that temptation to, to engage in those things, recognize that that thought's not from you. It's not a thought you want. It's not a thought that you've entertained or desired, but suddenly out of the blue, one day you get the inclination. If you recognize in your life that that is demonic for you, understanding that you have the ability to speak directly and you need to speak it out. There's no evidence in scripture that demons can somehow read your thoughts, but speak it out and literally say in the moment you feel that first temptation, say no. And by the authority of Yeshua, you have to leave. And then beyond that, the very next words out of your mouth need to be a a request for the Holy Spirit to come and invade that situation because the Holy Spirit is power and he's the only power that you're going to need to resist the very next time that temptation occurs. Um, but it, it is always that duality. You have to rebuke the demons and then you also have to cling and chase after and pursue with everything that you have, the spirit of God. Mm. And if you do those two things, you can overcome anything. But in the absence of either of those, you're going to have a difficult spiritual journey. Um, it's hard to have a relationship with the Lord when you're in constant fellowship with demons. And it's when you get the demons out that you need to pursue that relationship with him. It's what will sustain you. Right. That's Yeshua. Like when he said that, right, about the demon leaving and coming back, he says in the end, so also it will be with this evil generation. So he is warning the people and people, including obviously who are oppressed. And he's saying, like, many of you, and he's, I'm thinking it's a prophetic word, I'm going to guess. He's saying, many of you will not choose to swear allegiance to me, even if I deliver you, even if I give you healing, even if I showed you my wonders. And of course, that indeed did happen to many people. Yeah. And so I think that this 
responsibility for people to truly repent after being delivered is so important for us to communicate to them. Yeah, I but, mean, it, we're, we're likened, like you were saying, we're, we're supposed to be temples, pure dwelling places for the fire of God. You know, a temple without a fire is not a temple, it's just a building. But a temple with fire on the altar and fire in the lampstand and fire in the incense, like, that is the temple of God. And that's what we're called to be. But if we aren't that, if all we're doing is cleaning up, like we haven't gained anything. And so just rebuking the demons or just casting them out, it's essential. But the reason why we do all of that is so we can have a deeper, fuller relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, I know so much of your ministry, PD, is, is focusing on the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I think that's a, an aspect that's often missed. We, because we are that temple, you know, the word for demon in Greek is actually like an unclean spirit is usually how it's referred to. And the opposite of being clean is being unclean or dirty. And if we cast out a demon, but then we immediately run back to that very thing that made us unclean in the first place, then like you can clean, you can purify a temple all day, but the moment you invite idolatry or sin or something back into that temple, it's defiled. And you have to constantly be aware, constantly vigilant, constantly seeking out the purifying spirit of God, because that is the fire that purifies and keeps the temple clean. Amen. Uh, I think it'd be good for us to just give people a few tips about how to cast out demons. I, I just say on this, you know, Acts nineteen fifteen, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, Paul, I recognize, but who are you? Right? This is to the sons of Sceva who tried to cast out the demons, but they weren't recognized by the demons. And, you know, I think that one of the things it teaches us is that you want to be recognized by the demons. The demons said, I know Paul, I know Jesus, I know Yeshua, who are you? And how are we recognized by demons? It's simply because of who we know, that we know Yeshua, that he knows us, that there's a relationship there that's real and tangible, not superficial. And so when that relationship is there, by nature, God's authority is given to us. He says, I give you authority over all the works of the devil. And so now we can walk in this confidence of knowing that because the, our father knows us, has given us this authority. Now, therefore, the demons will know us, too. And this is why we don't have to be afraid of them and why they would rather be afraid of us. Uh, this is why also it's important for us to actually know our authority, because, uh, you know, I spoke to a police officer a friend of mine once, and he said, I love what he said because it's so relevant. He said that, you know, he trains new police officers to become policemen and the criminals, they're really quick to pick up when it's a new policeman because that policeman doesn't, isn't seated. He doesn't really understand his authority yet. And so they try and take advantage of that. So in the same way, it's when we get familiar with our authority that the criminals, if you will, the demons will take notice and they will know to not try and take advantage, but they will be in submission to us because of the one who has sent us. Uh, what what tips would you give uh, someone who's looking to do, call, do deliverance on someone? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with your own heart. Um, and there's, I mean, there's examples in scripture of people who tried to cast out demons and couldn't. Uh, there's people who uh, sought the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, sorcerers and others in scripture who wanted to have the power of the Holy Spirit to do such things, among other things, and weren't able to do it, but it's because their motivation was in the wrong place. And so we need to be, first of all, introspective, uh, you know, we're not supposed to be trying to get splinters out of other people's eyes when we got planks in our own. But once we're actually are approaching it genuinely, uh, and if you're looking into yourself um, to try to figure out if there's areas in your life where you need to speak to some demons, uh, make sure you're doing it with absolute humility. So it's not for selfish ambition. It's not so that you can be famous. It's not so that you can have a great testimony to go tell your local church so you can get a promotion or be more credible or whatever. Instead, it's it's comes from a place of absolute humility and absolute love for whoever um, is being victimized by this. But then from that, once your heart's in the right place, just recognizing that the power of God is the one who's doing the deliverance. So it, even though someone may be verbalizing it, it's not PD, it's not John, it's it's not your pastor or whoever, they're not the ones delivering you. It's by the authority of Yeshua that that person may or may not be able to cast out the demon. Um, and so kind of getting out of your own way, I think is, is the best starting place. Um, and then just simply walking in absolute obedience which is a really humbling experience to actually have the courage to speak verbally <laughs> to a demon, especially if it's in front of a stranger or group of people. Um, it could be really daunting to try to have to actually put yourself out there to a certain extent, just to be faithful through that one act of obedience that Yeshua called us to. But in that there's incredible freedom. Um, when you actually start practicing it, uh, you, it's like learning a new skill or ability. It's an ability that you've always had, but if you don't practice it, then you're not going to have a lot of strength in it. But as you continue to walk it out and just practice it, um, you're only going to grow. You'll learn every single time. Um, and, and the more you do it, the more powerful you'll be in it to your point. Hey, Amen. I think another thing I'll add is just that in deliverance, when you're busy casting out demons, something I noticed quite early on is demons lie. Okay, I know it's shocker, but you'd be surprised at how many people, you know, they actually, uh, they consider the voice of a demon a source of truth. And the thing is with that is, they're going to lie about things like your lack of faith in this deliverance session. They're going to lie about how they've told me you haven't fasted enough. Well, it's funny because by the end, they still were cast out. So they obviously weren't telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, they, they will say things to try and demotivate you and try and get you to stop doing what you're doing, because that's at that point, they know the only thing that they can do to stay where they are. And so they will try everything they can to, well, in some cases, at least to speak through this person and 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 lie about their presence think about what they told yeshua when they when he asked them you know who are you what's your name he, they said we are legion we are many 
And I, part of me wonders, even though I can't be conclusive, you know, but a part of me wonders if they were trying to intimidate Yeshua in some sense with, well, we are many, because those are certainly things I've heard. Demons say, I'm big. I've been here hundreds of years in this family. You will, I will never leave, you know, uh, things of that nature to make you feel like, oh, I'm dealing with a big one here. I don't know if I could mm -hmm. do this. That doubt is what they really want to inspire in you. So practically speaking, please don't believe what demons tell you and keep going despite yeah. those lies uh, until you see breakthrough. I think that's one of the biggest things that I experience is people are, when you start talking about these issues, people immediately have thoughts in their heads, which are demonic, uh, that this isn't real, this isn't true, I can't be delivered. Like, those are exactly the sentiments that a demon would want you to be feeling and thinking right now. So like, if you need evidence as to whether or not you can be free from a sin or free from an addiction or whatever, like the spirit of God says you can. And so that thought in your head that you're entertaining about how you can't be free or you can't have life or you can't walk in obedience, that is a demonic thought. You need to rebuke that. You need to cast away and silence that voice of the enemy that is telling you that you cannot be free because you can. And there's countless stories and testimonies from believers all around the world who have faced all sorts of situations and found deliverance. Mm. So reject the lie that you may be hearing even right now saying that you cannot or will not or have not been delivered. Um, those are lies from the enemy. Any believer can be delivered. Um, that's just a, a, an objective statement of fact from what scripture teaches us. And there are no demons. It doesn't matter how many there are, how strong they are, how long they've been there. There are no demons that are stronger than the spirit of God. And there are no demons that are immune from the rebuke of a spirit filled believer. Hallelujah. Um, and so like, just rise up. I love, you know, it's the name of the ministry, but rise up in the fire that God has given you and use it to purify yourself and your communities, your families, your friends, those who are, who are hungry, mm. but reject those lies because those are literally the voices of demons telling you that you cannot be free. Oh man, I love it because you know, there's, I get that email sometimes of, you know, a, a mother or, or a father or someone. And they're saying, you know, my son or my daughter or my you know, relative, my friend is, you know, demon oppressed. They know it. They just know. And they're saying, I don't know what to do. And, and so, yeah, I want to speak to those people, you know, as you are, Johnny, I want to echo that, that you need to realize, brothers and sisters, that God didn't give you a mini Holy Spirit, a little Holy Spirit. He, he came yeah. to pour out his spirit upon his people to do what Yeshua did. He said, I will do the things that I did. You will do the things that I did and greater things than these. I think yeah. he meant what he said. I actually believe what he said. And and in, in sense of God, in the end of days, he says, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh, your sons and daughters, your old men, young men, grandmas, grandpas, everyone. I'm going to empower right. them. And that means that if the spirit of God lives in you, if you're listening to this and you know someone who's oppressed and the spirit of God lives in you, how can you think? How can you say, well, I don't know. I don't know how they can be delivered. like he lives in you. He's more than able to set them free, but you have to 
not let him, you, you, don't, you shouldn't stand in his way. You shouldn't let doubt consume your mind. Just go and believe, go in faith and pray. Uh, the prayer of the faithful and righteous will set people free. I, I just want to um, read a few questions. So, brothers and sisters, if you're in the chat, please uh, keep sending your questions. Uh, the earlier questions, I, um, the questions you're sending in now, I'm going to get to. So, please go into the chat now, send your questions. I'm going to read some of them here. Uh, we're going to just answer a few of them. John, thank you so much for coming on, brother. It's been really good so far. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miller Pham said, will you please give encouraging scripture that will help us to feel like we have that authority when going into deliverance for the first time? Uh, you know, I will to that. I would just say a scripture that I read earlier. Hey, Luke 10, chapter 19, Yeshua speaks, right? And he's, and he's speaking not just to his 12, he's speaking to, to a crowd he has sent out. And he says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Okay, that's a huge statement. Like huge statement right there. And we have to like ask ourselves, do we believe what he said? I give you authority mm -hmm. over all the power of the enemy. Yeshua is just like they're cheering us on. He's he's saying, I'm I have ascended and I have now left my spirit for you to continue doing what I did. So that's what I would give to that. Uh, John, if you want to add anything, you're welcome to. I mean, I think it's just the natural product of what we see in scripture. Even you think about the situation Cain found himself in when uh, he started being jealous of his brother um, and the word of Yahweh came to him <laughs> and told him explicitly that like sin is crouching at the door. It's going to consume you. You're going to be destroyed by this. But the instruction of Yahweh to a person who was entrenched with this satanic inclination was to get mastery over it. And none of God's commandments, scripture says clearly, none of God's commandments are impossible for us. Every one of them is obtainable and doable. And so when God tells Cain that you can master this sinful inclination, you can master this impulse. Of course, we know that Cain didn't, but the fact that Yahweh told him that means that he could have. And throughout all of scripture, the fact that Yahweh is telling and Yeshua later on is telling uh, these statements about the authority and the power that we do have, that means that it's something that we can walk in because a commandment that would be impossible would just be cruelty if God had imposed it on us. But a commandment that is obtainable and doable becomes an expression of the love of God for us. And so all of these things are in existence and in your existence if you're a believer because god has given you this ability it's part of who god created you to be it's the reality of the universe that he orchestrated and for us to sit back and say that we can't do that i'm not capable of that i've fallen too far whatever is to speak a lie into the truth that god has created the reality is he has given us this authority it's said throughout scripture there's examples all throughout scripture of the power of God moving through people. And those people were not special in any particular sense. We were all just humans. We all, everything we've experienced is common to man, scripture says. And 
for that matter, when you read these stories about these men and women of God doing these extraordinary things, it's not necessarily that they were extraordinary people. It's that they had extraordinary faith in an extraordinary God. And that same God has made that same faith available to every single one of us. We just have to be willing to do it. Like the, the problem isn't his spirit or his power. The problem is our part willingness to participate in whatever it is he's put before us. So it does take courage. It does take practice. It does take the exercising of your faith. But I can guarantee you that the more that you do it, the stronger you will become. But if you never try, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're not going to see something happen if you're not willingly participating in it. Um, and I think that's true of most of the spiritual gifts and most of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it requires a participation. Um, it's part of the way God orchestrated the universe. He wants this relationship between us and him. And in that relationship, there's power. Amen. I want to go on to the next question. Thank you for sharing that, Jonah. It was excellent. I, I, the next question, I, I want us to explore a little bit because I think it's more nuanced than it sounds. Um, to, multiple people have asked this. If a pe person is oppressed, but they don't recognize it themselves, how do we approach them? You know, another person asked, um, can we cast our demons on those who don't want deliverance? Now, John, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. Um, I'll just say, it's not as simple as yes, no for me, because when I look at Yeshua's ministry, I see that there were people who are absolutely possessed, right? You could see the, the there's a case where Yeshua comes off the boat. There's a demon possessed guy who was enchained before, broke free from those chains. He's he's living in the wilderness at this point, it seems. And Yeshua confronts those demons, calls them out. The man says after that, how, you know, it's like his eyes are open. It's like he's a different person. He says, can I follow you? And, you know, so there's, I, I have to wonder, you know, a person like that, I don't think he was like, hey, please deliver me. Okay, <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. I think that he was so uh, under the influence of the demonic that he was, uh, he, his capacity was likely not there, at least from what I can see in scripture. And so I wouldn't want us to think that, well, if the person doesn't say, you know, then it's, that's definitely means you should not pray for them. You know, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but I do think there is an element of discernment needed. If someone is prayed for, receives deliverance like that man in that scriptural example, that deliverance can be the thing that convinces them to want to follow Yeshua like it did for him, mm -hmm. like just like Yeshua healed people and then they suddenly want to follow him. And so, you know, and I think all of us have stories like that, like many of us, we've been delivered and we're like, wow, I want to follow him because he delivered me. So, you know, I don't know, John, what yeah. do you think about that? I think it's, I mean, I agree with you. I think. On one hand, I, I do believe that we have the power to cast out demons, full stop. So I think we have the authority and the power to cast out just about anything. But I think that there's also an obligation, like the goal in life isn't just to, to be uninfluenced by demons. The goal in life is a relationship with the Lord and his Holy Spirit. And in that, there's 
I would encourage anybody who's actively pursuing ministry or anything in this area to be willing to exercise discipleship and encouragement. And if you're approaching someone who's willing to be delivered, um, to make sure that you're ready to meet whatever needs may become evident immediately afterward. Mm-hmm. And it may be time trying to, you know, ask for the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or perhaps even bringing them to faith in the first place. Generally, though, I feel like when people do experience a sincere deliverance that they recognize, they're immediately hungry. They want to know where this power came from. So, like, that's a perfect evangelism opportunity. But I also don't know if you should just, like, do drive-by deliverance. Um, Sure. Like, take the time to actually invest in the person. uh, Absolutely. Just because they're worthy of it. but. So whether or not you, I think a lot of times probably when people are asking these questions, it's probably that they have a child or an aunt or an uncle or a husband or somebody who they want to see delivered, but that person may not want it. And I think on one hand, you probably can uh, cast out the demon. You know, if you're, if you can get within earshot of them and have the conversation and tell the demon to leave. Yeah, that's probably possible. Um, but you may not know which demons you're casting out, where they went, what the what the situation with that person is otherwise, um, what else they need, what their vulnerabilities are. I think a lot of times when you, in any aspect of life, it's like the same thing if someone was a, a heroin addict or something. Like just getting them clean is a huge step forward. But if you never figure out what got them hooked in the first place, then, and if they're not willing to change those structural parts of their life that made them vulnerable, then it's kind of a somewhat of a pointless exercise. Mm. So I would encourage anybody who's willing to do it. Um, mm. Do would, your best to invest into that person. That's good. I, I would make it a little distinction for anyone listening between that and also just like praying. And I don't want anyone to think that we're saying, because I know John's not saying this, but I just want to clarify that we're not saying that you can't pray for a spouse or someone to get delivered from whatever if they're busy with something they shouldn't be busy with because of no you need to pray for them you need to seek the lord you need to call on the lord's name petition for deliverance for them Uh, but i guess what we're just saying is that when you we're talking about a deliverance session (laughs) in the typical way we're using that you know when we're saying you're we're actually casting out demons out of someone this is a active session going on now like we see in the bible jesus casting out demons out of a person not just you know praying for them beforehand uh there we want to make sure that we like john said we communicate the importance of now now that you're you're experiencing this deliverance do not be like the evil generation Yeshua spoke about who the demons returned to, but rather become the righteous generation by calling on his name that you can be filled with the spirit. And, and you know, I would pray for them to be filled with the spirit. And and then, like John said, disciple them, uh, walk out of them. So good. I think that's good, John. If there's anything yeah. else to add, I don't know if you want to add anything. I just it's sort of like evangelism or even just asking to pray with someone. I would just have the courage to have the conversation, which can sometimes be awkward depending on your relationship with them, but there's nothing wrong. And I've never seen anybody react terribly to someone just going up to them and saying, Hey, I feel like you're might be struggling. Can I have a word with you? 
and you can explain to them what you perceive, what you think, what you feel. Make sure you're expressing your love for them and the love that God has for them. And odds are, you know, nine times out of 10, if, if you ask somebody, if you can pray for them, they're going to say yes. And so you can join with them in prayer, even if they mm. don't share your religion or your faith or whatever. Most people aren't going to deny a prayer. And even beyond that, most people aren't going to deny a conversation. And so if nothing else, you can just say, hey, look, I see you struggling with this. Is it okay if I try to help you? And if they're open to it, if they're receptive to it, then sure, you could go ahead and just say, "Hey, look, if you know, if this is if this experience you're having is demonic, then in the authority of Yeshua, I just want to ask that that demonic presence leave. Mm. I'm going to command that demonic presence to leave, and then just ask him if you can pray with them. And it could be that simple. I, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily just drive by and like cast out a demon out of your teenager in the living room and run off and act and not explain what they're experiencing yeah. Yeah. because they may even have a manifestation or they may ha- have an inclination in their heart that faded for a moment. But if they don't understand that they just experienced deliverance, mm. then there's a very strong likelihood that they may run back to it. Right. I think it's like in anything, we have the responsibility to present the gospel. Uh, when anyone gets delivered from anything or healed or anything, when God touches them in some way, we present the gospel and then what they do with that, that is now their responsibility. And what then comes from that is is on them. That's mm-hmm. that's what I see. So uh, for anyone who's listening, you know, I wouldn't be like, uh, you know, I, I think that Yeshua's, when I see him, how he speaks, interacts with people, it seems like he's like, okay, uh, he delivers people, he tells them the truth, uh, like, for example, the one man he heals, he, I believe he was lame. And he says, after um, go and sin no more, lest something worse comes upon you. So he's saying, okay, you, you, you got delivered. This is who I am. Now you have responsibility. And what that man does with that is his responsibility. And he could have, we don't know what happened. He could have gone back to what he, his sin, or he could have turned from it. But that's not the minister's responsibility anymore. We need to be there for them. But their ultimate choice about what they're going to do with their deliverance is their decision. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, going to go. Good. I mean, I'm sure, Petey, have, yeah. I just got a question for you, yeah, if that's it. okay. Uh, I mean, you've probably experienced people who've uh, been through deliverance or something and then still continue to face those situations that they thought uh, had been demonic. Um, and I guess what advice would you have, uh, for people that might still have recurring symptoms, if you will, um, after they've attempted deliverance or, or been through a deliverance ministry? Well, I, it depends on the person, but, you know, I can tell you from experience that there have been people who have told me when I asked if I could pray for their deliverance. Well, I've done that before. Uh, yeah. I've had people say, you know, I, I've, I've broken all my generational curses, and you know, um, and right. then uh, demons come out and they get delivered still. So, you know, and I don't know why that is. Uh, it could be there could be many reasons for that, and you know, we can talk about that another time. But you know, that can be. A, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say rule it out that you. That, oh, it didn't happen. You know, it could be that the minister, you know. It, it didn't go the way it should have gone. They didn't cast out the, all the demons or, or it could be that you regressed and you allowed to yourself to fall back into the, uh, the practices you did that caused the demons to come in. Or I, I don't know, there can be many, depends on the person. Uh, but then on the other hand, I would also explore 
if it's really demonic, because like we mentioned in the beginning here, not everything is a demon. Okay, there are right. situations where you need to be counseling. You need to speak to someone who can help you learn what God's thought is about the fact that you went through a terrible time in your childhood and you still have unresolved things in your heart and trauma in your heart. And so, you know, trauma can cause a demon to come in and we can even cause that demon out if that's the case. But that trauma experience may still need counseling, you know, so. So, yeah, I would I would uh, uh, encourage people to think about it in that sense as well, that maybe there's or maybe it's I need to give my burdens. I need to surrender. I need to give my burdens to Yeshua. You know, there's a multifaceted approach to getting rid of oppressions, I think. Yeah. Uh, I would I want to just go to the next question here. We're going to do a few more. I'm going to try and do these quick. The, guys, there's so many questions. We're so grateful for them. Thank you so much for the chat, for coming into the chat tonight. Uh, okay. I see someone asked, Stephanie asks, are not some only cast out by prayer and fasting? Okay, yeah, Yeshua spoke to his disciples when they couldn't cast out the demon. And he said, yeah, some come out by prayer and fasting. We see that fasting uh, is something that disciplines our flesh. Uh, and our flesh and our carnal mind is certainly something that can come in the way of uh, uh in contrast to faith, you know, uh, we see that the carnal mind is at enmity of the spirit of God. So fasting helps us discipline our flesh and it does help us to operate in greater levels of faith. So for that reason, there can be situations um, where a demon you need to fast. And I would always if I know I'm going to do a deliverance uh, or something like I'm going to fast for that. And that's why I also encourage, even if you're not doing a deliverance, that you have a lifestyle of fasting, even so. Uh, I will answer, go to the next one. Hey, John, whenever you want to add something, just jump in, all right? Um, someone asked, um, why does it often take uh, Claire asked, why does it often take hours to cast out a demon or many demons when we see in Scripture that Yeshua cast him out quicker? Is it quicker or something else? Okay, so just, John, I'd, I'd be curious what you think, but in my estimation, I think, you know, there has been times when I have done deliverance and, and it's been, there are situations where it's taken long. Uh, there are situations where uh, when there's been a deep oppression. One lady was in South Africa when I was there. Uh, her parents made uh, sacrifice chickens onto their ancestors for this girl, and this girl ended up in a lot of demonic oppression. Christian, believing, strong, um, hunger for God, but oppressed. And I remember that session took hours. One, over two, we had two days that we did it on. And she got totally free, on fire for God, incredible turnaround in her life. And... You know, and then, yeah, this is a good question. Why does it sometimes seem to take long? Um, I don't know, because I'm know? not a witch doctor, but I have <laughs> theories. Uh, like, it's not a formula, so I can't ever guarantee, like, these demons come out in 20 minutes, these come out in 20 seconds. These, like, I don't know <laughs> sure. what the formula is, and I don't really have an interest in figuring it out. Uh, but I will say that I think one of the functional reasons why it takes time sometimes 
And in some cases, it takes years. I mean, you think about it, even in the life of Yeshua, there was people he interacted with who were demon possessed and had already been demon possessed for a long time. And for whatever reason, in the sovereignty of God, it took 18 years in one case in the Gospels before that person interacted with Yeshua and Yeshua casted out that demon. And so sometimes there is even a purpose in suffering um, that's not to justify not us not doing our part. But I think oftentimes we have to understand that there, this entire experience is a multifaceted experience. And even the aspect of offering, uh, you know, to partner with someone for deliverance and, and going through them with through that journey with them has a profound spiritual effect, not just on the person who's ultimately delivered, but also the people who might be helping in the deliverance, the people who might be witnessing the moment, the family and friends around, anybody who might be aware of the situation. And so sometimes in the sovereignty of God, it, I mean, same thing like when you pray for a healing, sometimes it does happen instantly. Sometimes you wake up the next morning and the problem that you had was gone. Sometimes it happens days, months, years later, and suddenly it's miraculously healed. And I don't understand why that is. Yeah. I think there's probably factorial elements such as like, you know, different, uh, one of the things the scripture says is that the spirit of God comes in quantity. Um, some people I think are fuller of the spirit of God, have better insight, better wisdom into what they're actually facing. Well, I think yeah. sometimes when it comes to deliverance ministry, uh, I think one of the things that I find a lot is people will come with a specific, what they have a preconceived idea of what their demonic issue is. And what you find out as you actually start going through it with them is that they're really not suffering with a addiction to drugs. The actual underlying demonic issue isn't drug related at all. It's some trauma that happened in their childhood or some act of idolatry that still exists in their lives or, or something like that. And so you can spend all this time and energy focusing on like this drug addiction, like spirit of drug addiction, right. I call you forth. Like, right. and if there's not a demon there, there's no harm in casting out a demon that's not there. So that's fine. But sometimes it takes more time to get to the core issue of what that person has actually been experiencing. That's good. Who, man. Where that's the good, demonic influence is really coming from. I, uh, what I felt helpful is, is the gift of words of knowledge is extremely powerful. Yeah. Because when God has common, you know, if you, you can grow in this gift, if you ask God to give it to you, where you asking the Lord in your heart when you're busy for deliverance, Lord, what is it? And God can tell you immediately what it is that is the root issue here. And that's more precious than what the person can even tell you because they're often wrong, like John just said. Um, yeah. So like you said earlier, demons lie. So, oh, yeah. And if you've been living with them for a while, you might have accepted those lies as a reality of, I mean, I've seen entire personalities change because of deliverance. You have someone that used to just, well, I'm just an anxious person and they've lived with that label their entire lives. And then they go through deliverance and they realize like, I actually was never an anxious person. <laughs> yeah. I was a person who happened to be dealing with anxiety that was caused by the sin and the demonic oppression that came with it. Like, and so a lot of times what you think may be the case isn't always the case. And sometimes it does take a long time to weed. And the last thing I'll just add in regarding Yeshua, it doesn't seem like he did it. He took long as Claire said in her, her question. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's hard. I, you know, we can only look at what the scripture says. So I, I can't say for certainty because not everything is written down, but I do 
consider, I think we should consider that not everything was as quick as we imagine in our minds. Sometimes, uh, you know, when the, if we think about the writer who's writing about this, uh, this experience of Jesus, of Yeshua casting out a demon, you know, for them to relay the experience, um, you know, when you're reading verses, one verse to the next, time is lost. You don't know how long it took. Sometimes you'll read one verse and the next verse is 10 years later, right? Uh, in certain <laughs> certain areas of scripture, because yeah. th that's how the scriptures are written. So I'm just saying that making a point that it doesn't mean that it was always instant just because it seems that way based of how we're reading. It doesn't say in the scriptures it was instant or it only took five minutes. It doesn't say that it took an hour either. So I'm just saying that that um, I think we should be, but at the same time, I think that Yeshua was who he was, <laughs> and and he yeah. he healed people. And this is not the other end of it, right? We're just we're just speaking right now. But this is just what I'm thinking out loud: is he healed people at a capacity that uh, you know I have never seen in in anyone else. Right in the gift of healing, right? And so it's, it wouldn't astonish me to, if he operated in the in causing our demons out of capacity where no one else does because of who he yeah. is. Okay, so uh, I think that we will have many experiences and I think we should try and, and keep it short. Of course, we hope for that, but just because it takes long doesn't mean that we, there's that we're necessarily doing something wrong. I have had long, long deliverance sessions with good fruit too. Okay, so those are my yeah. my thoughts about that. I hope that helps answer that question. Okay, um, okay, guys, we're gonna do one, maybe two more questions. Thank you so much for sending them in. Um, so. Claire said, another good question. Yeshua didn't get people to repent before casting demons out of them. Why can't we do this? Okay, that's a good point. Uh, you know, Yeshua didn't go up to the demoniac and say, hey, you need to repent of your sins, then I'll cast out the demon. That's a fair point. And I think that's worth talking about or thinking about. Yeah, I think too, with that, the other part that's not stated, like you were saying, there's a lot the scripture says, yeah. but there's also a ton that it doesn't. We don't know the religious condition of most of these people who were touched by Yeshua. Um, we don't. They, these may have been the most devout people on earth uh, who then got delivered from demons. You know, we always just assume everyone's like that raving madman in the tombs that everyone's just terrified of, or that everyone was violent or whatever. These people may have already been devout. They may have already had right. sins that you know been walking somewhat of a narrow path. Um, obviously, there were issues. Uh, but in this in this situation, like we don't know, um, we don't know the totality of what their discipleship experience was like, and so I think as it pertains to demons, like cast them out because that's a virtue and a value unto itself. Um, but beyond that, like restructuring their lifestyle and getting them into submission and alignment with the Word of God, that's incredibly valuable to the extent that it will keep them from inviting and keeping those doors open to further demonic influence but it you know the process of discipleship takes a lifetime mm -hmm. and to assume that just because you cast out a demon that now that person is never going to sin again is also uh, yeah. dangerously incorrect 
Absolutely. Thank you, John. That's good. Guys, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here today. We are we had over 100 live here tonight with us. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Um, I want to end this off with a prayer, and, and we're going to pray for deliverance here. And uh, I, I'm going to believe, you know, and I, let me just say this before we begin. I have seen the Lord deliver people through this. I have, I have seen literally people at the end uh, of a screen have demons come out of them through prayers that are being prayed. So do not limit the Lord in that manner. We have done Skype deliverances before he can do it. So uh, I want us to pray for anyone who's who's oppressed. And and if you listening to this, uh, maybe you feel, you know, you know about someone. Let's we're going to pray for them as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you. So I'm going to just pray. And uh, John, I'd love for you to as well pray after that for everyone. Uh, so I just speak right now in the name of Yeshua to every unclean spirit. I speak to every spirit of witchcraft. I speak to every unclean spirit of divination, of addiction, of adulteries and sexual immoralities and lust. I speak to every unclean spirit of murder of the heart. I speak to hatreds. I speak to bitternesses, unforgiveness, uh, every unclean spirit in the name of Yeshua right now. And I command you to leave. I command every unclean spirit that's tried to come in through whichever means that's tried to come in through sin, that's tried to come in through generational lines, through ancestral lines. I break every covenant that people listening has made. I break every uh, uh, agreement, any allegiance to the kingdom of darkness that was made knowingly or unknowingly by these people listening to me right now. I speak to every uh, assignment of the devil, of the enemy, of Hasatan over God's people. And we break that off in the name of Yeshua. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for right now uh, we cast out every demon, every unclean spirit of everyone listening to this and we command them to leave. And, and I just speak to everyone listening to this right now for them to be filled by the Spirit of God, for them to be delivered, for them to be, be, be receiving a hunger, and for them to seek the Lord, seek Yeshua with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower your people, that you would fill them like never before, and that you would empower them to be uh, vessels of deliverance, that they would be someone who would be able to bring deliverance to their family, their friends, their uh, fellowships. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that, that deliverance would go forth in your body. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bring about a wave of deliverance over your body of people. Lord, it is evident by how many people are listening here tonight that they are hungry. And Father, I pray that you would fill them, that you would satisfy them, that you would give them the deliverance that they desire. Uh, Father, I, I just pray, Lord, for uh, any uh, uh, lies, Lord, regarding deliverance that's been taught to be exposed. Lord, and I pray for your truth regarding this matter to go forth uh, in the name of Yeshua. John, I want you to add to that prayer for me, please, brother. Uh, just speak to any voices that are demonic that are speaking into anyone's ears right now that are causing doubt or fear. And in the authority of Yeshua, those demonic voices have to be silent and they have to leave now. 
Lord, we just come to your throne. We, we pray that your spirit would just fill every man, woman, and child. I feel like there's such a hunger in the spirit right now for true love, for the love of God to be paramount in everyone's lives. And there is such a spirit of heaviness, a spiritual oppression on the hearts of God's people, especially here in America, that is keeping us from emotionally engaging with our God. But scripture says that the greatest commandment, the, the, the most important commandment is that we love him with all that we have. And Lord, we come to you understanding and requesting that this is, we know this is possible. We ask that your spirit would empower us so that our love for you wouldn't just be in words or in actions, but that it would stir the deepest places of our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would purify every man, woman, and child here, that there would be an emotional love for you that is insatiable, that we would pursue you like no other, and that all of those demonic voices that seek to numb us from the love of God would be silenced and would be banished from our lives, Lord. I pray that you would break the hearts of your people, that people who haven't cried in years now would cry, that they would burn with a desire for you, that their passion for you would encompass every aspect of their life and that they would find themselves insatiably in love with you, understanding that your desire for us is reciprocated and should be reciprocated by our desire for you and that collectively that mutual desire that we share with one another is the fullness of your love. Lord, I pray that that love would be experienced and that the love that you've poured out for us, for God so loved this world, that he gave us his son so that we can have eternal life. And Lord, I pray that that life-giving spirit would fill every man, woman, and child who sees this. Those watching now and those who may see this in the future, Lord, that they would understand life and that they would choose the fullness of the life that you've offered them. I pray, Father, that you would capture our hearts, capture our minds, capture our souls, capture our spirits, and fill us with a fuller measure of your Holy Spirit every single day. Help us to never grow tired, to never make lie and tell ourselves that somehow we have enough of you. Lord, there's not a man on this earth who you've created who does not need more of you every single day. And Father, we know that when we seek you with our full hearts, we will be found by you. But Father, I pray that you would give your sons and daughters the passion to seek you with their whole hearts, that they would hold nothing back. The enemy feasts on the things that we hold from the table of God. And Lord, we lay our entire lives on your altar and ask that you would consume with the fire of your spirit every part of our being. And we trust you in faith that your spirit is already working and that you're going to finish this good work. Just make us insatiable for you. Hallelujah. All right, man. Thank you so much, brother. Right. Really appreciate that prayer. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, John, can you just share with everyone uh, where they can reach your your church and contacts and so forth? Yeah, if anybody's in uh, the Middle Tennessee area, um, we have a congregation that meets 
just south of Nashville. Um, it's called Mercy Collective. Uh, you can go to mercycollective.org and find the time and dates and all that. Uh, it's a wonderful community of people, and I love being able to introduce other people to them. Um, so if you're ever in the area, we'd love to connect. If you have questions or comments, I do have a personal website where I post stuff. Uh, it's just johndiff.com. Uh, it's J-O-H-N-D-I-F-F.com. There's articles and other stuff on there. But both of those websites, either Mercy Collectives or the John Diff site, both of those have contact information and other things. And all that comes straight to me. So if you have questions or if there's anything we can do to support you, please let us know. Great. Guys, go. go If you're at all, if it's possible for you, go to Mercy. It's an amazing fellowship. We've been there. We love it there. Um, hey guys, I also uh, just want to tell you if this has blessed you, I want to be taking an offering up to give to John to thank him for spending this time with us here tonight. So if this time of ministry has been a blessing to you and the Holy Spirit is putting it on your heart, you can go to riseonfire.com to make a gift. So thank you guys so much for joining us. And if there's anyone who's listened tonight, who has more questions or wants discipleship to any degree, please go to riseonfire.com, contact us, and we'd love to take it um, from there for, uh, to speak with you further. Uh, so thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Many blessings and shalom.